Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the baseball podcast brought to you by MasterCard. We're here with a rare special. We're not sponsored by MasterCard. A rare special <laughs> crossover event. A crossover event, guys. Meth, Ethan, do you want to tell them? Who's our first contender in this bout? All right, our first contender. We're coming off a sad U.S. loss, but an exciting Australia win to send them on to the second round, and they will be facing Cuba, who just barely got into the second round based mm-hmm. on a lot of math that nobody really understands. <laughs> so we're having on Phil Seelig. We just had him on a little while ago of Cuba dugout fame. He's a Cuban baseball expert, and he's here to tell us all about what he thinks of the upcoming matchup. And then we're going to mm-hmm. bring the gap between the two teams. We're going to bring on Dan Vaughn, who we had on about a year ago. He's the play-by-play voice of the Perth Heat, also for the Kansas City Monarchs of the American Association. And he's been involved in baseball in Australia for you know over a decade. He's got a ton of experience in, in that regard. And he's here to give us the Australian perspective. And it's just going to be a lot of fun talking to these guys, getting their thoughts on you know what they think is going to happen, why each of their teams is going to win and uh somebody's gonna end up wrong and hopefully right. plus tom because we're morons so that'll be a lot of fun right. anything you want to say before we get started with the interviews uh really just you know we're i'm really looking forward to these two characters playing off each other you know we haven't yeah. done uh i mean we i guess sean odell was kind of a crossover event but this is sort of a a crossover event of two guests that we have had on before. And it just so happened that their teams are meeting in the quarterfinals. And, you know, frankly, the way that the world baseball classics going, as you mentioned, the United States, you know, just didn't show up against Mexico. It's anybody's game. So, uh, you know, it's going to be really interesting to hear what they have to say. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about the countries and also about the, uh, maybe how they think the game's going to go maybe get some predictions at the end. And uh, I hope you guys come away with this with a better understanding of Australia, Cuba than you went in, which could be hard because, you know, as we know, these are the two top teams in the tournament. Absolutely. Yeah. I I needed something to buoy my spirits because I watched the U S got get crushed last night. And Mm -hmm. now I have on the Israel Puerto Rico game in the background and that's six Mm -hmm. Puerto Rico with nobody out in the fourth. So I got to say, we talked about uh, Joey Manessis when we were discussing Mexico. We we talked about how I thought it was Joey Manessis, and it sounds like a disease. The United States came down with a really bad case of Joey Manessis last yeah, night. That was ter- that was a terminal case of Joey. That was awful. Stage Dude, four. When Joey he came up, when it was it was what uh, four to one. I don't want to talk think, about it. But he came up with two guys on, and I was like, he's going to hit another home run, isn't he? he's gonna do it and then uh, yep it's exactly what happened why couldn't you use that clairvoyance for good why couldn't you be like mike trout's gonna go yard here and then see that listen people were hard on trout on reddit trout didn't play that bad he got on base three times it's a little hard to get mad at that yeah poor jeff mcneil made a hell of an effort just to get all those balls and then and then people were getting on him for his defense that that wasn't jeff mcneil's fault yeah you know what i say to that we're not here to talk. I, I to look at those people and I say this. How much more betrayal can I take? And then I follow it up with a little. I despise him. That's what I think of those people. We're not here to talk U.S. because I'm going to slip my wrists if we keep talking right. about it. Let's We're going to talk about a team that we like that that is doing good. Yeah, that is doing well. Team Australia. So let's hop into the interview. I hope you guys enjoy this talk with Phil and Dan and go follow them both.
So I don't know if you two are familiar with each other's work, um, but Dan, you, you work in the ABL, obviously, and the mm-hmm. American Association, and you're an Aussie baseball expert. Phil is the guy on Cuban baseball, so I figured it might be fun to just get everybody. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's this is a really cool deal for for Dave and the boys. And oops, sorry, let me slide that over. And again, I heard y'all's conversation about the whole tiebreaker deal, and it's. It, I, I got to tell you. Um, I didn't dive into it yesterday because it was giving me a headache and now I do have a headache because it's like, I mean, well, as it should. <laughs> and, 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 and now with all the links, because, because WBC has the links, MLB has the links and advanced media has the links and it, it was just really convoluted. And I, I don't know. I, I, all I would say is I hope they can, it's hard to explain that, you know, it's just a hard thing to explain to fans. And it, that's, that's just, Right. It is some what it is, I guess. You know? Some some of the language that they use too, that you're like, who is this for? <laughs> so, yeah. 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 and then yeah. it's like, oh, how'd Cuba win the pool? Trust them. Well, the thing about it is, you get <laughs> you get some like there was some journalists and they're doing their job who wrote, oh gosh, maybe Friday, when, Cuba, when Cuba was 02, Well, you know, they're probably you know not going to go forward. And then it was like Korea sort of the same. That was sort of where Korea was headed too, because it was obviously didn't make it because Australia won, but. There was that scenario possibly in the works between you know Czech, Korea, and Australia, and mm-hmm. you know you're you're like well wait you 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 beat you beat a tough team and then you're gonna wind up in the houses you might not make it and it's hard to explain that I had several people reach out to me and they were like well explain that to me and and I'm like well I wish I could so Phil do you want to give a quick rundown on how Cuba got here yeah absolutely you know. um, yeah if you can wrap your head around how it. how how did Cuba get here I wrote an article about it and I might have to go back and reread that but um, just in, in quick terms uh, obviously game one uh, tight loss to uh, to Netherlands who has become their their bugaboo over the past decade and and through the first two games I guess the the major issue was runner and scoring position fail specifically from Moncada and and Rober uh, uh, who looked maybe a little too aggressive and and you know you're you're almost saying is this a harbinger for how their seasons are going to go uh so then they drop a heartbreaker to uh to italy in extra innings in the second game uh the one thing you can say is both games they got more than they could have expected out of their starters and yariel rodriguez and and uh, Rowena Elias, um who were were both dynamite and and you know gave them everything that they they could out of uh out of the 65 pitch limit and then some solid work out of the bullpen and spots um couple Couple, 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 uh, couple leaky oil performances, but nothing too, too serious or nothing that you don't look at and think that maybe you, you, you adjust that moving forward. So obviously mm-hmm. they flipped the script and, and uh, put a beating on Panama, thirteen to to four, and, and with twenty one hits and and you know that that spread and those hits and and kind of uh, I think played well into some of the calculations and, and the tiebreakers which you know I think at one point they had to send off to Nassau to, to figure out how that works uh, so that put them into a spot at one and two that with the way that the rest of the pool was breaking down that um, you know everybody was kind of in that same scenario hovering at two and one one and two uh, so they went into the last game against uh, Taiwan and, and and handled the business seven to one which apparently was the perfect score to uh, to have that run differential to put them at two and two for the rest of the pool to go two and two which um, remarkably vaulted Cuba to the number one spot <laughs> And now they move on to uh, to Tokyo, and and we'll face uh, and we'll face Australia. It was a crazy ride. It was a lot of math. Everybody, me included, had Cuba, you know, dead on arrival after the first mm-hmm. two losses. But 
we they, talked they, about they, them on here we were like listen cuba's got to look in the mirror they got to decide like hey you know how do they want to handle this whole political issue that you know keeps a lot of their best players from playing for them and then cuba went ah, i'm gonna skip the mirror check and i'm gonna yeah. win the pool we were wrong <laughs> we were wrong and i'll say it i apologize to cuba i apologize to you phil yeah. and how about you you want to real fast just tell us how australia got here for the first time uh you are asking me uh well yeah really um and I haven't got this on on record, but I but there's a lot of what you got to understand about Australia's coaching makeup is there's a lot of familiarity because you've got Dave Nielsen, obviously he manages Brisbane, his mm-hmm. right hand man is Jim Bennett, who is the pitching coach, but Jim also manages in the American Association. His bullpen coach is Graham Lloyd, uh, Tubby Michael Collins, who's a bullpen and uh, bullpen coach for the Astros. Longtime camera manager. He's very familiar with those those guys. Uh, you've got your Adelaide manager as well. You've got a lot of guys who are uh, uh, Michael Graham, who was a longtime uh, Tigers uh, uh, manager in their in their organization. You got a lot of familiar guys who know the roster. A lot of times you get. I'll use this. I just use the Chinese as an example. You got one guy who comes in as a manager from somewhere else, and you got a lot of guys who are local, but you don't really have that mesh. These guys all know the Australian game plan and so my answer to you is kind of long-winded but they chose to go young in game one against korea uh jack mm-hmm. o'loughlin who's a kid with the tigers organization uh got the start in the clincher for adelaide in the uh claxton shield on that sunday last month he went in the mitch noonborn as a kid from perth but plays for adelaide pitched behind him in piggyback role kind of almost uh, like you see in a, in a spring training or a double header you get a piggyback role but you got your two best arms and they're both younger guys. They weren't, you know, uh, Tim Atherton who went home or Warwick Sawpold. A lot of folks thought would get a nod there as well. Or Sam mm-hmm. Holland, older guys. They didn't get the nod that opener. And then they, when they needed the clincher last night, they did the very same thing again. I think that's piece number one for them is that they're not afraid to throw the young guns out there with the veterans. I mean, Tim Kennelly, uh, he's all of a sudden becoming a, a well-known name worldwide. But yeah. anybody that knows Australian baseball, he's the greatest of all time in modern memory. And mm-hmm. then you throw in guys like Alex Hall, a Brewers farmhand, and you got some some guys like that, Logan Wade, you know, uh, Glenn uh, Denning. Yeah, Glenn D- Robbie Glenn Denning uh, is probably as close to getting the big leagues as anybody in that roster right now, and he's really mm-hmm. battling. Played the SEC at Missouri, and this is a kid that went the the college route. So you've got a, a good mix, but I really think the gamble to roll those younger guys on on well, been Thursday, Friday. And they also have the advantage of playing the Japanese before in exhibition games back in the fall and also last spring as well. And these kids, you know, Alex Hall's the world. That's not a big moment for them. Playing in front of 46,000 Japanese fans, they'd done that before. Mm-hmm. Granted, they, they didn't win the game, but playing against Korea in the same building, th- there's some familiarity with. So I just think really more than anything, they're growing up. And they did the little things right. I mean, they situational bullpen was phenomenal. They hit the ball. They're always going to hit the ball. The Australians mm-hmm. have, have done that over the years, and it's always been the depth of pitching. And finally getting some young kids to step up, that's been big. It's been big for them. And I, I, I that's why I even tweeted the day, in a one-game sample size, you know, they're going to probably roll out that same strategy again. And, and hey, it got us two wins. Let's get us a third. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the way I think they're going. But yeah, it was it was a miracle run. Now, I do want to ask because Cuba's obviously a team that has been here before. They've had a, a strong program for a long time. Australia's here for the first time. Phil, what's your impression of the Australian team as it matches up to the Cuban team? And then Dan, why don't you, why don't you go after that? 
Well, I mean, you can't uh, you can't discredit anybody for making it this far, um, despite the fact that I think that everybody can look at and see. And, and we we let off talking about the uh, the the variability uh, in in the tournament so far, which is exciting for for the fan base. So, um, you know, as uh, as Dan has said, there obviously you look at that, and you realize that there's there's professional pedigree permeating from the top down, even if not necessarily through the the entire player body. And and uh, so far, the guys, you know, clearly have not been in uh, afraid of the moment so um you know there's there's a level of i think if you're cuba um i i, I wonder if you just with with a little bit of time to think here you'll do some scouting but i, I do want I, I do think you worry more about your own kind of game uh your own sort of game plan and what you do and 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 hopefully that those last two games and the approach there is more um, or if you could take an amalgam because uh, Yariel Rodriguez is probably going to get the ball in, in game one or, mm-hmm. or sorry, in the one game as right. he did in, in game one. And so, you know, if you could take his pitching performance or any reasonable facsimile with the approach that the offense had in game three and game four, which was really buoyed, I think, by. Um, you know, obviously maybe they caught up to the pitching, maybe it was jet lag, but even the approach for, for a rover who, you know, I kind of joked with a few people in the first few games had the plate discipline of a house cat chasing a laser pointer, you know? And so, <laughs> but, but, and, and to his credit, I've seen it before and I, and I, I shared videos. I've documented him from his time in Cuba, seen him in Canada before and, and have even recorded him in the past that in the same mm-hmm. bat, he can look in the first couple pitches as if dear Lord, this guy's supposed to be this stud. And then in that third pitch just stays in there and does damage so you know it's a little bit disappointing that it took him two games to do that at this point where he is in his career but again if that was if that was rust it was that but if he is now locked in after a few bats that's dangerous they got great performances from from a few other spots in that lineup again once you got to it to game three and you know in typical baseball fashion you know in the first couple games the two guys that weren't supposed to be in the lineup did the majority of the damage in Yuelki Guerbert and, and uh, Yadil Mujica who who had some good at bats so you know through through that lineup I think now that you've got a better idea of what that configuration is there's there's hopefully a little bit of a better idea of what everybody's role is and they'll kind of settle in and, and just you know kind of instead of trying to instead of trying to hit five run home runs just do what they need to in each of that you know and i think the great thing about this whole wbc is the great mystery and i, I remember going back a couple of years ago i was in gary indiana broadcasting with the railcats and we were playing uh the quebec team they had a, a ton of cuban players and as a broadcaster you're trying to do broadcast prep and there wasn't a lot out there right i mean there wasn't a lot out there and i think you look you look at the czech team and you're like who are these guys? I mean, and you look at the, these Australian team, well, who are these guys? I mean, you're suddenly, there's, even in the worldwide web we have today, there's still not a lot out there sometimes, especially mm-hmm. when, you get, when you get to lower levels. You know, ABL's got advanced media with Major League, but you start getting to these other countries that don't have that same level of stat keeping. It makes it harder to scout. There are videos out there and all that. I say all that saying, when I asked Dave Nielsen this, on our show I'm talking baseball Australia, I asked him back in the fall, it's like, you're in the you're in the the the, the death pool with Japan and Korea. You know, I'm like, you know, and he he's like, well mate, you know, and he's told me this before. So I, I kind of knew the response is gonna be, is they're all death pool. I mean, they're all tough pools. Everybody's tough. I mean, you get the World Baseball Classic and you're one of the, the, the teams in the classic and you go the next round, they're all good, right? And I think that's sort of the Australian approach is that they're they're gonna do what they do. And let you know do what they do best, do what they do. I don't know if the scouting is in depth as it has been over the years. I mean, 
Cuba's that great mystery. I mean, even as a broadcaster over the years, I've de- dove into to, to the Cuban story, and, and I even even done Negro League research from the, you know with the museum in Kansas City, and I've gone back and looked at even some of those stats from back in the 1930s. I've got a lot of asterisks and things, and not sure what's there. So there's a great mm-hmm. mystery there, and I think that makes it fun. But I think for Dave and company, you do what you've done, which is the things you've done. It be Japanese, Korea, whoever, uh, you know the state of Oklahoma, whoever they play, right. they're going to, they're going to play the same way regardless. And if they do the things they're supposed to do, they'll come out on top. They do the things they don't, they don't do. They're going to wind up on a seven, one deficit like against Japan, even a game that I thought they battled against. So I, I think Scott, was, and, I, and I'm, and I'm sure they've got enough of a hold on, especially, and I know this for conversation about before the under 23s, under 18s and all those younger world cups, there's been a lot of scouting going on of those too, and they've taken extensive scouting notes, and some of that will translate to this WBC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think you nailed it when you talked about how Australia, and this is something that I've thought, is how Australia sort of was lined up in such a way that you almost wanted to be in the pool with two good teams because if you can somehow sneak out a win, then you can handle China and Korea and, you, or, and the Czech Republic and you can get in. If they're in a pool like with Cuba and Italy and the Netherlands and a bunch of average teams, you're probably going to rack up another loss or two. So... I guess I'll just ask, you think they can sneak out another one against Cuba? I'm assuming they're going to go to Jack O'Loughlin again. I, I would think so with the time off. No, I did message Dave and Jim, uh, the time difference here from Texas there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I haven't heard back officially, but I would expect that's what they would do. Um, you know, they're, they're not afraid to throw anybody, but I just think I, they're not afraid to throw young guys either. And they've did that already this series or uh, this pool play as well, but that's what I expect them to do. Um, it's what brought them. They got the two big wins the, the signature win against Korea, which, you know, was uh, one that I, I got to tell you to me, the, the win of the Czech Republic was historic in a sense that that was a big win to clinch a, a, a second round for the first time, right. but beating Korea, and the way they did with clubbing the ball around the ballpark, holding on, some tight pitching, some the defense in the ball game with them caught stealing. I mean, the way they won that thing against the team that had given them trouble and the team that a lot of people figured, well, I mean, it's kind of if you're playing brackets in this thing, like you do the tournament with the basketball, you'd have just penciled in Korea, right? I mean, mm-hmm. who wouldn't? And I think that, that they're not going to change anything, what brought them. And I think in a one game sample size, uh, there's no reason why. Australia can't do this. And I had a fan tweet me today or message me today about, I think it was a 2004 uh, Cuba-Australia matchup where Cuba came back and won. And I don't remember the exact details of that ball game, but he was like, well, is there a revenge factor there? Well, some of those Ooh. kids that are, you know, some of those kids that are on the roster probably don't even know about the 2004. Now, there'll be some <laughs> older guys. I'm sure Dave Nielsen will know about that. But uh, that that was sort of a, from a fan's perspective, but I don't think anything more than the fact that what's so much fun about this is this is, you get these knockout rounds, anything can happen. I mean, you, you roll mm-hmm. out there and, and you know, the, the odds makers and punters can say what they want to say. But you got to play the game, and, and uh, Cuba wears uniforms. So does Australia, and they both could uh, have the game of their life, or could have the dreadful performance. And that's what makes this so much fun. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I, it is. It is really cool to see. You know, like Cuba does have some some major leaguers. They got some ex major leaguers. Australia has some guys who you know are in the minors. You know, ABL has some prospects in it, but you're not looking at like a, a quarterfinal with two teams that are just loaded with MLB players, which is you know 
the way it usually goes. Like the teams that have mo- the most MLB players just cruise. So Except this is kind of a unique occurrence in, in World Baseball Classic history. So it's going to be really cool to watch this. I think that's fun. I think that to me that gives the Australians and I even I'll even sit there and if I'm the Czech Republic or if I'm New Zealand or South Africa or insert any country trying to build their program and you're watching what Israel's been doing and Italy's been doing, you're saying, well, you know what? Those people can do it too. Why not us? I mean, we mm-hmm. they don't have a they don't have a ton of big leagues. I mean, you know, there's a you know, Mark Suppold made a pretty good living in the big leagues and in the KBO, but you're right. Australia's not littered with with uh, big league names. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, Alex Hall had a cup of coffee with the Brewers last year, and then you know, that's pretty much outside of that, it's been pretty limited. Well, Aaron Whitefield, but that's mm-hmm. pretty much limited to what you've got right now. I mean, uh, you've got you've got more big league experience in your uh, dugout with uh, with uh, Graham Lloyd and Dave Nielsen. I mean, you got a guy that was the setup man with the Yankees mm-hmm. in, the, in the World Series, so you got that. But again, I, I think it's I think it's expiring. And it, and for me, the bigger thing is Americans, and, and we know how Americans are. I mean, I'm one. I'm a Texan first, but American as well. You know, right. we we sort of we kind of take this WBC thing kind of for granted. We're kind of like, meh. Well, I mean, yeah, it's cool and all, but. The importance of some of these countries, Cuba, because the game is such a passion in Cuba, Australia, where the game is trying to be grown, and, and, and there's a youngster in Cuba, there's a youngster in, in Brisbane who's sitting there going, you know, baseball's not a bad route after all. Maybe I will not play. Maybe I won't play cricket or footy, and I will do the baseball thing because I'm loving doing it because there's a mm-hmm. pathway to that where the World Baseball Classic maybe 20 years ago, that pathway wasn't there. And in this Cuba situation, that pathway wasn't there from most of my adult life. Cubans didn't play the big leagues. And now you're seeing it. So things have changed. I think released the WBC. And I love the fact that we don't have, I love Mike Trout to death. I love Otani to death. But I love the fact that we've got a Tim Kennelly and Ulrich Majowski playing in from Perth. And that they're guys that you might've known, you might not have known. And that's okay because yeah. they're doing something at a high stage. And I love it for our game in Australia. Yeah, and they're going up against a lot of the same kind of guys from yeah. Cuba. You know, like a lot of guys really aren't going to know who Jariel Rodriguez is. They're not going to know. Uh, is Yoelkis is Cespedes' brother, right? Right. Yeah. Am I making yeah, that so, up? So Yoenis and, and Yoelkis are half-brothers. Yeah, okay. But like, like there's, I mean, Bolanos, I don't think anybody knows who he is. Like there's guys on the Cuban team who have that same factor as the Australians. It's like I've never really seen these guys, but like they're not bad at baseball, right. you know. And that, especially for you know lifer fans like us, like right. uh, that's a lot more fun than just you know sometimes watching like Venezuela go up against uh, like DR or, or like uh, more often than not, it's with the U.S. It just kind of feels like kids just mashing their toys together. Like oh I got all the I got all the best players and you also have all the best players let's just and see what happens but this is like you're gonna get two different styles of the game you know two different entirely different cultures you know countries with you know, entirely different histories and Tom, they're they're on totally can I jump in something I was yes. thinking about a while ago I hate I hate to jump in here but I was thinking about this earlier and. I don't like to compare this to soccer because it's they're not the same game right, but it's yeah. funny as a fan because I mean. U.S. U.S. men's team, you know, they're okay. The women's team really good, but the men's team, you know, but 
I yeah. when I get when I get drawn into the World Cup in soccer is when those storylines like you're talking about the, right. the storylines of the different style of maybe it's the team from Nigeria against the you know the the long time against the English who you know, they've done it since they since the Stone Age you know that whole <laughs> that whole storyline gets me involved and I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah we could sit there and watch the big leaguers being like last watching Mexico uh, bash around the U S last night who looked very decisive uh, but uh, in that situation I don't want to talk about it did you like <laughs> I mean, that that story honestly last night I watched about you know I watched just enough to, to get the feeling of it but I was glued to the story of Australia and the Czech Republic because mm-hmm. not just because my ties with Australia but the fact that the Czech Republic had their media relations guy out there and they had you know this you know this th- these these storylines of guys that how they picked the game up and things I'd read about to me that was interesting and I think that's mm-hmm. where this whole baseball world baseball class because there's going to be those storylines for the Cubans as well. And, and there's that great mystery of, 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 of who's who. And I love that. I mean, it's the game needs more of this because, you know, the game is at the major league level has had some staleness and we need something fresh like this. And we need the storylines. We need, we need the storylines that will attract younger and even older viewers. People that are like, Hey, I haven't watched baseball in 25 years, but boy, that, you know, the, the, the right field, it's a fireman in Perth. It's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool story. <laughs> right. Yeah. He, that, yeah, he actually plays. Well, I mean, yeah, he's pretty damn good. He's been playing forever. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's that storyline. So, anyway, I didn't mean to jump on you there, Tom. No, uh, it's fine. Uh, Phil, is it is the how, what's the reaction been like in Cuba? Are they are they going all out like maybe the uh, countries like and other parts of Latin America are? Because they they and even like Taiwan, they've been just going bonkers for this sort of thing. I think I think it's been a little bit more uh, sedated just because of the of the timings and because the economy is tough right now and and oh, yeah. uh, the, there is a level where um, you know Cuban baseball has been in a little bit of a doldrum. Uh, mm-hmm. So so make no mistake about it, people are still proud. I mean, I, I chat with people on the island frequently, and you know, getting messages asking if I'm up watching. Um, and one of the things that that I, I did inquire was, you know, are people gathering? I don't think they are yet, but uh, I'd, I'd be intrigued and and uh, talking to friends that we'll see if they if they might for for Wednesday. Um, you know, it's there have been strains. I mean, and, and I'm not going to lie and say that there isn't a level that disappoints me sometimes that um, when I go to the Island more frequently, there is international soccer on, on television. And again, whether or not, because it was the timings um, you know, I, I had friends uh, sending photos of big events for the world cup final. And, you know, uh, perhaps if Cuba gets further, I think you'll see that it ramps up. Uh, I can say that people are definitely interested. I mean, um, <laughs> it's the, the web traffic, uh, right. it's growing the number of groups that I'm in and, and some of my content as well reaches as, as far as the Island, even if it's more for an Anglo, uh, uh, for an Anglo audience. So, you know, uh, I think that, uh, the, the average Cuban fan has been on the same roller coaster that, that I have that, uh, you know, after those first two games thinking, Oh no, uh, more of the same of everything that we've seen, not that, that anybody thought that this was going to be a complete cure all, but, you know, kind of if, if I'll tie into, I think that the the danger and where Australia has more than a puncher's chance is um, it's a team that maybe doesn't have as much pressure on them for the sake that, you know, Cuba is still probably supposed to be here. 
um, mm-hmm. you know, versus Australia, not supposed to be here, earn their way here. And so now playing with house money, you know, could become that, that, that bigger story. And, and if the guys weren't, as you say, weren't, uh, weren't blinded by the lights playing in the Tokyo Dome against that, against uh, Japan and being able to come across, hopefully don't wither under, under the lights there. So, so we'll see from the from the get-go uh and and i think a lot of people would agree with me on this assessment on the island and off that um it, it is still very important cuba to win this game whatever happens if they make it to miami is 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 gravy but even now you know you see the way that they played and even as you know we discussed it took an immense amount of luck to get here maybe they'll realize how lucky they were and you know keep that momentum going and then if you go look at the way that the other brackets are playing so you know it's just uh you can't think more than than one game ahead it's almost a little bit more of a football mentality and and you know sometimes you're only as good as your next day starting pitcher so cuba's uh cuba's starting rotation looks strong at this point which coming in was the thing that I had more concern and seems to be alleviated. And then the way that the schedule works, that overall pitching depth, I think plays well for them. But you know, if the big bats uh, are, again, they've gotten rid of that jet lag. If they're, they're focused, I think Cuba can do a lot of damage and, and, uh, and get to at least a spot in the, in Miami that I think the average Cuban, the average Cuban baseball fan is going to look and say, this is good. Now let's build momentum and hopefully next time we'll bring in more of the pros and, and, or if those dollars or some other changes can come along to put more into Cuban baseball infrastructure, but let's, let's begin the healing process. So Phil, one thing that I wanted to ask you about is I feel like, um, one of the things that Australia has is they don't have a lot of high velocity pitchers. They have a lot of guys who are sort of, you know, for lack of a better term, junk ballers. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think is interesting is Cuba has sort of a mix. They have a couple of NPB guys who throw really hard and they also have some junk ballers like, Onelki Garcia or whoever, you know? So do you think that's going to throw Cuba off at all because they've been facing guys like the effervescent Matt Harvey, or do you think they gonna be able to handle it? So it, it really depends because if you look at the kind of the breakdown on the, the lineup and, and perhaps in those first couple games, maybe that was the adjustment that a, uh, that a Moncada and a Rover had to make um, the, the slower velocity um, plays well to some of the guys that might mix in that uh, from, from the, uh, from the Cuban national series. So if a, if a Yoelki Squibar is, is in there uh, to, to a lesser extent, if, uh, if a Yadil Mujica and uh, you know, uh, an Ariel Arubuena are, are in there for the sake that you know the guys that have have made it as far as AAA or to uh, or to the majors, but uh, realistically spending the majority of their time now either between Cuba but also in Mexico. So I mean it, it's the it, it's adjusting to anything. And again, I think it's just the approach going into it that if if they're not jumping out of their shoes, um, you know I think that there's a couple guys in there that that could potentially do some damage that you wouldn't suspect for seeing something that's probably a little bit closer to what they are used to. Uh, versus that what one of the biggest changes we saw, for instance, in the Premier 12, when when it was more of a roster comprised completely of National Series stars, that when you start facing those guys throwing 94, 95, 96, you don't see that on the island. You see that in the guys that are leaving the island. You see that in the guys from the island that, as you mentioned, are part of the, the Japanese uh, system there. But, um, you know, 
if guys, I think the average velocity, you see some numbers here and there, but I look at it through this lens that uh, I saw recently that I, th- I believe that the average velocity in NPB was only 89 or 90 and, and it is ticking up. But that to me tells me that Cuba is probably 85, 86. And so th- there is a, uh, there is a cohort of players in there that I think that, you know, or in a pinch hitting situation might be more accustomed to that, but that can be overcome with at the same time. Yeah. If, if the guys that are used to facing harder are jumping out of their shoes, hopefully we've already made that adjustment and we've seen in game three and game four that we're ready to stop doing that. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Dan, I'll just flip the question back to you. Do you think Cuba is going to struggle with some of the the high velocity guys that Cuba has, or do you think they'll be able to handle it since they did take on Japan and Korea earlier? Yeah. I think, I think the big thing is going to be in, you know, something I, I had a random conversation the other day with a high school pitching coach who was who was just saying you know my, my team doesn't throw real hard but we get a lot of movement and we change speeds and location you know and a lot of times you overcome if you're if your lack of velocity and Australia's not gonna blow you away with with you know we're not you're not looking at triple digits here uh from from a pitching standpoint but you you're gonna get that they tend to pitch more of a North American style non-strikeout style, meaning a lot of ground balls, a lot of four seams, a lot of things down the zone, trying to induce the ground ball, trying to get you on top of things. And in the movement, that's going to be real key. Uh, from an offensive standpoint, you know, the ABL as a league, it, it, there, there's a there's some 90s in there. There's some 95, 96s in there. Uh, there's been some imports that have come over, especially in recent memory. But in general, it's the guys, the Alex Halls, people, players like that, uh, uh, Whitefields, who are facing and Glenn Denning, who are facing, you know, major league prospects who are who should adjust fairly well. And to me, it's always been, it, it's the adjustment at bat to at bat. It's the in-game adjustment. And I think one thing Australia has done a phenomenal job of, and this is all really from Dave's approach to hitting as a big leaguer, Dave Nielsen, is the at bat to at bat approach. And I think that's going to be a real big key. But uh, you're you're going to see they're going to see velocity like they haven't seen in. Well, maybe since Japan. I mean, the, the Japanese and Koreans threw hard, but you're getting a lot more movement, a lot more deception, a lot more different arm slots. You're going to see arm slots and deception and Savilo coming at you, and it'll be interesting to see if Australia can adjust to that. I think they will because the guys who play in North America see that already. Now, it's the young guys who may be playing you know, club ball may have to adjust a bit to it, but uh, hey, I think this club, especially fastball hitting, is a good fastball hitting club like most clubs are. But uh, I, I think this is going to be a step up in velocity because every time I've seen and everything I've read about the Cuban, you know, arms, I mean, we're talking about guys that are they're throwing gas and getting movement at the same time. And that's lethal. That's lethal. So it'll be interesting adjustment. That's the one thing. And I think, you know, Phil said, I mean, their rotation, it's a one game series, but you've got you've got to win that one game. So you've got some depth down there. They're going to be able to roll arm after arm after arm at you. And that's going to be that's going to be the real challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's gonna be a really interesting matchup between different styles. Um, one thing that we do when we've had on some experts, you know, talking about WBC teams, who do you guys think is going to be the, you know, the silver slugger from your team? And who do you think is going to be the Cy Young? Dan, why don't you go first? Well, so far, it's kind of a toss up. I had a couple of people have already said to me, Robbie Glendening has been that guy. Uh, Alex Hall, who was the Helms winner in Australia. Uh, those two gentlemen have just had phenomenal WBC so far. I would think that that would be the case. Uh, boy, arm wise, the one thing about the one thing with arm thing, thing is that this has been more. I, I there was a 
Now, I'm going to go back to the American Association. And you, Ethan, you may remember this a couple of years ago. Sioux City had a really good ball club, record-setting ball club back in like 2016 or 15. And they had a lot of really good arms, but they didn't go the distance. There was not really one guy who was a collection of guys. They'd go out there and give you four innings. The guy gives you two. And they pieced it together with a phenomenal pitching staff. That's sort of been the way with Australia. I mean, in, in general, I mean, Mitch Newborn, I think, is, is had, has the best stuff. Uh I would love to see Golgowski with a little more length. He hadn't had a chance, but two innings. It's a little tougher call there, but I suppose um, if I was going to be put to put the on the on the jump here, I would say probably uh, Jack O'Loughlin because he's got you two starts. If this team wins th- uh, Wednesday, O'Loughlin would have got you at least two or three innings to get you going. And to me, that's about a total of nine innings he's got you in this series and. That'd be pretty good for me for a, a, a Cy Young type award winner in the pool in, in that first uh, quarterfinal game. For sure. How about you, Phil? Who you got for Cuba? So uh, last time we spoke, I, I mentioned that the player that I have my eye on was Yariel Rodriguez, despite the fact that uh, I didn't necessarily love the way that he was employed, but I can't uh, argue with the results. And and uh, so, I mean, clearly he settled into that role for a guy that uh, was a starter in Cuba, but has found great success in a uh, more of a setup role in um, in Japan with Junichi. And even some of that might be more just to the log jam being blocked, in fact, by Rydell Martinez. So so uh, his path, because if I can, a little bit of a side, a lot of people um, automatically jumped on and said, this guy's got to get to the majors. He might, that might be his aspiration, but at the same time, uh, I think that undersells the fact that um, the the talent, the ability, the and, and the decent money that there is in Japan, and this is a guy that is making, you know, $550,000 a year now, able to bring most of that back to Cuba. That's not a small thing. And a guy that if he continues on his rise and maybe can find a role, could become a closer and be making millions of dollars in a couple of years just the consideration on that if he again if he pitches anywhere like he did in uh in in game one where you know the, the he was throwing hard he had the wipeout slider he showed a little bit of the flaw in his game which is maybe um what used to be control issues now at least is kind of effectively wild uh i kind of joked and said that the hardest contact against him was the two hit by pitch uh, in in that game uh so if he shows up anyway you know after that performance that he had and 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 can can give you uh and i'm assuming he's getting the start here i mean uh, he that 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 might be a play where cuba could look at and say they want to go with elias who who is probably more comfortable as a as a starter and then you could go to uh, rodriguez either which way i have the feeling he's going to be having a big impact in this game in terms of in terms of batters a guy who looked a little bit resurgent um and and um, you know, a guy who's been here before, all-time leader in, in World Baseball Classic home runs, and maybe because he represents that that insulation in that lineup, and and might be the guy that if you have to pick your poison, if if uh, if Moncada, if if Rober, if uh, if an Andy Abanez is is healthy and, and lengthens that lineup up, that if you're looking at that guy that you have to to pick to to your poison against might be Alfredo de Spain, who looked like he still has something in in the in the tank and might get those opportunities hitting a little bit down in the lineup and hopefully with guys on in front of him and has obviously been at this level before even though he's no spring chicken so those are two two of the guys that i look at and think are, are kind of the, the keys 
Yeah, I think that's great stuff. I think Cuba's probably the favorite here, but but I, Dan, I think you've done a good job explaining exactly why Australia, you know, has a puncher's mm-hmm. chance. Like like Phil said, one thing I mm-hmm. want to ask you guys is, you're both obviously experts on each you know national team. You guys are both North American. We spend a lot of time in these respective countries. You guys, have anything you want to ask each other about the other teams? I, I I like to I think it's interesting, Phil, because these two teams have interesting stories. You know, Cuba. He was mentioning earlier, and I love because I, I last year flying uh, from Miami to Belize City, we were flying right over Cuba, right on the coastline. I'm looking down there, going, "That's a baseball mad country down there. That's that's a country that loves the great game." Australia, and what's interesting is that there's a lot of pressure there for for Team Cuba. I'd like to know more about that. I mean, is it? Is, is it a fan thing? Is it a government thing? I mean, what is the pressure? Is it all things? Because they seem like, because Australia, I mean, Graham Lloyd can walk down the streets of Melbourne and see a tall 6'11 guy, right? I mean, they, they don't know he's a former New York Yankee. I mean, Tim Kennelly, uh, he walks in the middle of Perth. No one knows he plays baseball. I mean, it's, it's a different atmosphere in Australia. Baseball is probably uh, number 11 on the pecking order. So I guess my question to you, Phil, is that that pressure they're getting, is that – is that all things, fans, government, uh, the, the team, the uh, organizational? Where is that coming from? Well, I, I mean, it depends who who's perceiving that that pressure. Because, I mean, you have a few guys here, obviously, now that are professionals. And, and um, you know, it's – they – I look at it more for the lens and, and, and actually have had some good conversations and, and some of it validates my perception of, of, I think what's going on on the Island. Cause I mean, some people are going to say, Hey, you're just a, a gringo going visit there. What do you know about the politics? What, and, and, or, you know, I've been accused of being a champagne socialist before. And, and, you know, my love is for the people and it's for the baseball and, you know, the politics, I get it, but also understand because if this is going to be a catalyst for massive change, although there are very positive things, things happening here it's just a small step and that small step could turn into a big step but until the the government writ large kind of changes a lot of what they do i don't think we're going to see massive changes so uh, i might have mentioned this when we chatted before that it's the same as any crop if you if you if you stop fertilizing it um eventually it's going to go away and so a lot of which will sound ironic because there's more cuban baseball talent than ever but they're starting on the island they're getting out sooner they're going somewhere else so the pressure, I, I don't know if it exists quite like it did. Um, and, and for the sake that there is a level where there are definite expectations, but I think the guys realize they're kind of playing with house money. They never thought that this was a moment that was going to occur with the construction yeah. of this team. And so hopefully with the with the balance of the other guys, I mean, I do have a couple of acquaintances that are on the team. And, and even though there's a little bit of a, a, a language barrier, I've been sending some messages back and forth and they seem to be enjoying themselves. And actually what, what I love to see is a couple of those guys are getting more of an opportunity to play than I thought they might have. And so you know, uh, a lot of what I write about is uh, to capture every element from the history. You mentioned that the Negro Leagues have done some videos, have done some writing on on that connection, even to trying to trace the roots back to originally, you know, how, how baseball got started. And, and there is a level where baseball, baseball is important to cuba when you understand that cuba was born out of revolution first it was that that baseball was brought over by a couple of of uh students or, or cubans that were that were students in in uh, i think it was in alabama and, and brought the game back and it quickly took off and and there's a level of it that it was anti-spanish 
So um, where if bullfighting and soccer were more popular, being, you know, occupied by the Spanish as, as they were, and, and eventually through the, uh, you know, the, 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 the Spanish-American War for, for Cuban independence, baseball at that point actually was often more of an event base and a fundraiser for the war effort. So, so you grow out of that baseballs entrenched that way. And then, and then the, the States come in and are, you know, perceived as, as some of the same. And then over time, you know, a lot of the, the regaling of, of, of Castro as a baseball player, it's overblown. I think he, I think he enjoyed sport. He played baseball. He was never a prospect. There's anything like that, but saw it as a great opportunity as something that, that had unified the country before and to do that. So, you know, that, that, that's, that's part of that lifeblood, but, at the same time, and and you know, um, with all of the strains, and and the World Baseball Classic actually is the perfect pivot point. That that first World Baseball Classic in two thousand six is where Cuba went from that. Hey, there's some guys that have gotten out before. We think that there's a level of talent there. Um, to these guys can compete. These guys can compete against the world. They can compete against pros. And then subsequently it opened up opportunities for scouts and for, for other people to kind of get in their ear. And as the dollars came out that, that players started playing more for currency than for, for country. And so that set off a trickle and, and, you know, right now it's very tough on the Island uh, for the sake that we're in as, as tough an economic period with COVID and, and with, uh, you know, hitching their wagon to Venezuela, which, you know, anybody could have told you that wasn't a good strategy, but um, that during COVID basically cutting out the, the tourist industry that right now is as tough as the, since the collapse of the, of the USSR. And so more and more players are leaving. Yes. Some are having an impact. Some are, are in, in leagues all across the world, but there's more that are leaving just purely because, it's their ticket just off the island, even if they never make it playing baseball. So there's a lot of pressures. Um, baseball, there's still a, a large contingent of people that like it. But even more, I think younger kids are seeing more international soccer on TV. They see it as that international cool brand. If you go around Havana, you're going to see more people wearing a Messi or Ronaldo jersey or a LeBron jersey than an Industrialis jersey. You do see some major league jerseys trickle in, and 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 but the, those are hard to come by. But it's uh, I think that this is going to be a shot in the arm. People are uh, the politics have largely stayed out of it for now. We'll see what happens when the dust settles, um, and and you know winning can can heal a lot of uh, a lot of wounds, can cure a lot of ills. And I think that really what the average Cuban is excited to see is that everybody that they can look at it and say, yes, he might have left, but he is Cuban. He is my countryman, and our team can compete the way that it used to and and rebuild some of that over time, hopefully. Yeah, it's, ama it's amazing that the storylines between the two, and I, I opened up my eyes the last couple of years to the story of the, the, the rich history of baseball in Cuba. It's his, historic. I mean, Cristobal Torrente, for example, and uh, the, the, the great Satchel Page has a great storyline of his time in Cuba where he, you know, he was playing to, to get, you know, they're playing for one, one political party. I mean, there's a lot of really good stories there. And the history of the game in Cuba goes so far back. Now, Australia's been playing baseball a long time, but it's a whole different animal. And I, I love to hear the stories of the different countries, especially in Cuba's case, because Cuba is fantastic uh, a storyline. And as a, as a, per, a person growing up in North America, it was always right next door, but 
but a know, world I mean, away. It was a forbidden, a forbidden place, yeah. you know, and, and, and that they've been playing baseball as long as we have. And it goes back to the turn of the last century and so many great storylines. And, and really, they were ahead of they were ahead of race relations, so much more so than what we were in the States. And there's so many fantastic stories there. And from an Australian point of view, this is an opportunity because, again, I, I mentioned earlier, top 10 sports. I mean, footy is the national sport of Australia. Rugby is a huge deal in Australia. Uh, cricket is a huge deal in Australia. Uh, track and fields, big swimming's huge in Australia. Anything outside's huge. But there's been, you mentioned the, the jerseys. There's been a growing trend of the North American sports growing in Australia. Basketball, for example, the NBL has had a really phenomenal growth spurt in the uh, in, in Australia playing basketball. Uh, soccer, which is more of a global, but they've started slowly growing their brand as well over there. Uh, women's sport is growing. Softball, women's basketball, those are all been growing. And baseball still trying to play catch up. And something like this, uh, some success where suddenly uh, the TV, you know, Channel 9 in Sydney will pick up and go, oh, well, the team Australia is playing the quarterfinals against Cuba. And this is a big deal. And you're starting to see a little of that, but it's not quite the the cultural ingrained thing like it is in Cuba or North America or uh, Venezuela or whatever. And so this is a great opportunity for our game in Australia to to, to get us more. And I'm saying front page news. We're never going to be footy. We know that. Uh, we're never going to be cricket. We know that. But we could possibly be, you know, cricket times two, you know, cricket part two. You know, there's an opportunity there. If, if basketball can grow like it has in Australia, and baseball in in gridiron, heck, football they call it over there. It's grown as well. I mean, you've got the Australians playing in the SEC and the Big Twelve and all these places. Australians are playing sport in North America, and and, and that's been the big thing. And they they've always played, but we're never really got the story of our game, baseball, told like it should be in Australia. So the pressure is a little different. It's not so much the pressure on the team, it's the pressure on our game to grow our game. And this opportunity to grow our game is right there. A win on Thursday, I keep saying Thursday, win on Wednesday could go a long way because suddenly you're going to Miami and, oh, this is a real deal. Team Australia is pretty good, by the way, right? I mean, uh, we haven't been paying attention. Maybe we should. And, and this is going to catapult the ABL and grow, like I said, a kid in Brisbane who is watching going, hey, I want to be Tim Kennelly, you know? I want to be that guy. And and I think the pressure is different, culturally, totally different, but there's still pressure on both. I think, you know, obviously Cuba with their pressure, but with, with Australia, it's just more for a game to grow the game. And, uh, and it, it, Paul Morgan and I have been passionately pushing this game in Australia for 12 years now. It, this is a big opportunity for us. And so it's interesting, these storylines, because they're different. They're totally different, but they're fun. And excites me just for uh, what lies ahead. And win or lose is a big win or lose for Australia. This is a huge feather in the cap, regardless. And and yeah, and, and what I think a lot of times uh, gets lost in the shuffle, maybe for good reasons, people don't necessarily want to worry about bureaucracy. But the WBC, the governing body, is obviously the WBSC, whose right. objective is to grow the game. And you know. Obviously, MLB is very influential and it have a lot of control. And the reason why the stories are exciting or more exciting is because of that MLB involvement. And and fundamentally, what we've seen is that the the World Baseball Classic was a dream for it to become basically the 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 you know the the love child of the World Cup and the Dream Team. And it looks like it's amalgamating some of that. And as you say, if a country like Australia can see and can grow, and and the fact that we're talking about Great Britain, that 
you know, it, it's important. This might be, it might seem like it's fleeting, but that for the clubs that are in those countries that are growing at that very small grassroots, it's always just momentum, but something as big as this to look at it, to pin your hat on that. And then if, 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 if the players that are there, especially the ones that, that do go back to, to Australia, you know, next time some kid remembers him off a of TV and wants to go see a game or, you know, they get out in the community and start doing coaching sessions and, and your pedigree is that much higher. The kids looking and go, that means something other than, Oh, you know, it's cool. We respect that the guy's an athlete, but you know, it, it, it truly, I think adds that pedigree. And so if, if you look at specifically what I think that this world baseball classic has already accomplished. And again, that variability as much as, you know, some people might look at and say a five team tie is a little bit ridiculous that it came down to that, but that it's, it is exciting that, that we're seeing different outcomes. It feels as if in most games, anything can happen. We're already talking about all of these, the, a few of these countries that we thought were going to cakewalk that are looking to go and looking over their shoulder and in Australia can get in there and can go, further and and we we don't know what's going to happen i mean it it probably does make the path a lot easier for a japan but we'll figure that out when you get there or if you are that team figure it out when you get there play for that next game but have something to to wave your flag over and hopefully grab more of those young kids that 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 wouldn't have thought of picking up a baseball bat before and and will now so that's exactly what the wcpc is all about right and i think you guys nailed it about how both countries you know they, they might be in great spots but they have a lot to still to do i don't think i have any more questions tom do you or do you guys have anything that you wanted to bring up that we didn't get to um i, just, I had some I, oh, go ahead tom sorry tom go ahead tom. Sorry. keep jumping on, keep jumping on tom it's that raise cap he's wearing he's, I guess. He's, he deserves whoa it. that's a devil race cap first of all <laughs> sorry about that yeah old he's school. the curtis mead hat yeah it's i school. did want i wanted to bring this up uh when you guys were talking about the the history of baseball in the two countries just real quick um something that i heard since we had you on last time, Phil, I was yeah. talking to some of the guys on the Czech baseball discord and uh, I asked them like, dude, I'm really lost on this. How did baseball end up in the Czech Republic? And they told me that at first, I think it was an American, like a Czech American guy went over there and was like, hey, we play the sport. And there was a little bit of interest and it was starting to grow. And then the Iron Curtain came down yeah. and the guy told me that the Cubans like kind of picked up the torch and like, because like baseball was seen as like a, you know, it's a Western thing, specifically an American thing. The USSR in America at the time, you know, many would say they were on the outs. (laughs) So uh, like these Czech guys wanted to play baseball and their only real option was the Cubans because it was it was too late to make Cubans not play baseball at that point. So um yeah, it was that was a little bit of, of Cuban baseball so, knowledge so, that, so that's interesting and that's something that that I haven't explored just yet, but also I wonder, like you say, the the obvious ties with the with the uh with the USSR and whether or not might have been might have been soldiers returning that uh, that have been to the island and um, mm-hmm. potentially uh, left some future ball players behind, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> then maybe brought the game with uh, with Czechoslovakia as we kind of discussed last time. That's why you, sometimes you see uh, Vladimir and and um, right very very rare, but occasionally you find blue eyes on the island, and you can probably mm-hmm. trace the lineage of where that uh, of where that might have come from. So yeah, you're like yeah, that doesn't it's, seem it's, like a doesn't seem like a naturalized yeah. eye color. Uh, my my last question. Uh, if you guys have anything you want to say before I go with my last question, because I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for predictions. Okay. Well, I, I want to just throw this out there to you to you three. Uh, 
Is Australia have any advantage in Tokyo? Do you think that I I, I think there's a wild card here that the, the Japanese have been very very accommodating to the Australians. Australia has a real a great relationship with baseball in Japan. Uh, the Australians really feel at home there. I'm wondering what that crowd will be like on Wednesday, and will it be a pro Australian crowd? Because I mean, it's you know Cuba obviously. You know, not be a lot of not be a lot of road fans, and there won't be a lot of road fans from Australia either. That's not a, I mean, that's asking a lot for somebody to you know to go from Australia to Japan, even on the same side of the world. But I'm just curious. I, I'm kind of thinking that it uh, maybe a pro Australian crowd for which would be uh, sort of a, a, a strange thing. I think. <laughs> I I think it could go one of two ways. Um, I think that there is more of a, a rivalry between Cuba and Japan, but don't. Um, the thing that could play in and also be intrigued to see if the lineup changes accordingly uh, to get a uh, U.S. Belgraciel in there. We've already seen Ariel Martinez move in behind the plate and these guys that are, that are playing in Japan. And then we mentioned the pitchers as well. So um, we saw in some of the tune-up games that um, the, the fans were very uh, appreciative of an Alfredo de Spain and, and U.S. Belgraciel who played with SoftBank for a long time and contracts weren't, uh, weren't renewed. So I think there, there, there's potentially enough familiarity with uh with the cuban guys or at least maybe they can they can kind of take the other guys that haven't been a part of that by the hand we'll we'll, we'll see um i don't know enough about that fan base so so maybe in that circumstance maybe they're looking at it and, and they like an underdog story for the sake that they've got their home nation which are heavily favored so you can kind of scratch both itches and and, and kind of look at it from the perspective yeah. of hey you know if i feel bad for being a front runner here i'm, I'm able to cheer for these guys i can still keep my street cred of, of cheering for uh, for an underdog there so uh if the it the crowd i assume is gonna be raucous um again hopefully those guys with the uh, with the mpb experience aren't gonna shy away from that and the guys with the major league experience so um we we will be uh i will be intrigued to see that but again hopefully it's uh hopefully it's hopefully it's packed and it is raucous i think that's going to make for a great environment well, they're great. They're great fans there in Japan. And this is not like going to the Bronx when you've got the, the Red Sox and Yankees. It's not going to be a lot of anything. These are these are respectful fans, even. And I've I've always grown just to love the the, the Oceana fan of baseball that I've known affinity Yankees and Red Sox fans. But yeah, I've been I've been on the road. Put it this way, I've been on the road to some uh, games, and I've. Uh, Wish I wasn't the road team, put it that way. But I don't think that's the case here. But uh, anyway, good. I, if, I'd if, forgotten that angle of the MPB. If I make a pro wrestling reference, will anybody get it? If I say that it automatically gets five stars because it's in the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> there's, there's a famous there's a famous pro wrestling writer, Dave Meltzer, who everybody gets on because he'll say anything that happened in WWE was crap. But the second that it's in the Tokyo Dome is automatically a five star match. <laughs> right. So. Right. Which is basically just the old Metro Dome with the better outside, I think. <laughs> But anyway, I didn't say that, but uh, anyway. Well, guys, this has been great. I don't want to take up any more of your night. Do you guys, Dan, why don't you plug, uh, you know, your show and your handles and everything and everything you got going on, and then Phil, why don't you do that after Dan? You bet. Uh, my broadcast partner in Perth, Paul Morgan, and I do a little venture called Talking Baseball Australia. Uh, it's uh, We're baseball's best mate. We've been doing it, uh, uh, started as a radio show back in uh, 2000 and. 11 and we've been fostering on ever since it's a couple of blokes just talking baseball from australian point of view you we won't you want to hear us talk about uh, the anything more than australian baseball but uh, we're at uh, at um, twitter we're at, at tb australia 
And you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Vaughn Jr. That's V-A-U-G-H-A-N Jr. And then our Facebook page is just Talking Baseball Australia. We do a show uh, during the regular baseball season, which is the U.S. winter, every Friday morning. And that comes on at uh, 5 p.m. in North America Central Time, 7 a.m. in Perth. And uh, we do all kinds of live stuff. We do broadcast together. But that's the best way to find me, though. I'd love to follow you. If you follow me, I'll follow you right back. And uh, looking forward to uh, catching up with you folks worldwide. Uh, we are doing a show tomorrow, uh, 5 o'clock Central Time in North America, to pre preview this ball game. That'll be on Facebook Live at Talking Baseball Australia. Again, baseball's best mate. That's our thing. <laughs> so, Phil, how about you? Plug anything you got going on and all your handles www.cubadugout.com at Cuba Dugout and going to be writing some uh, drop drop some articles recently but uh, while we're on the uh, topic of Australia I would like to, to send a shout out to a, a lovely lady in Wollongong in uh, good friend Ann Morris a supporter of our rugby community here in uh, in Ottawa and uh, want to say good day and we're always thinking about Ian her uh, her brother so awesome Wollongong I know where that, I know where that, where that is <laughs> been, there, been there before i know where it is it's a pretty cool place i hope to make it there someday so yes <laughs> all right guys so do you guys want to do predictions before we call it sure all right uh let's let's start with dan oh okay i was hoping okay. phil would jump the plank first but all good mate uh, no and nobody put their foot forward so okay you know. well it's okay. like i don't know if you, you ever been the guy that asked to say the blessing and you look down and that's that was kind of me right there but uh, right. I, I, I this is an opportunity uh I, I like what phil said earlier playing a house money it's kind of been the theory the theme I, I, dave nielsen had a conversation back in june when he was a hitting coach at lake country for the doc counts the american association we had a long conversation about what a big year this was what was coming forward and, and everything that we talked about over the course of the off season and back into the abl season has come to fruition and the goal was to a be competitive b to make it into the next round continue to climb and grow and i think culturally internally as a, as a roster these guys have been feeling this whole thing going back to last June. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of excitement about being part of this club and representing the national team, despite not a lot of folks knowing in their home country. Uh, I really believe in a one game playoff, anything's possible. It's it is that NCAA time. So with that, mm -hmm. I will tell you that what I like about the what I like about this is the same reason I like Cuba is that it's all hands on deck here within reason because you've had a little time off. You're going to see every arm available because you can't play on until you win this one. So that gives me it's it's almost like game seven. So I like that at, for both clubs pitching wise, but I do like this for Perth. This is the for Perth. Sorry, I mean, sorry for Australia. <laughs> Got Perth in my mind there. I love the beautiful West, but I would tell you that with all the arms available for Australia, they're all available. I like this in a very very close ball game. I like Australia in a very close ball game. Uh, give me Australia. Give me Australia five four in a very Ooh. close ball game. Very close ball game that that is going to probably have multiple home runs, solo shots. Because I I can see these are situations where you're going to sit in a fastball, you're going to take a crack. There won't be a lot of traffic on the bases, I don't think. And I'll get I'll take Australia five four in a nail biter to go on to Miami. Now, granted, to take off my home cap, but All right. I, I I just I really and again and I will be serious and this is really serious. I do believe in these guys, and I believe in Dave Nielsen and his staff, and I believe this is the time. 
This is the classic moment for our game in Australia, and I believe this is the time that the game takes a huge step on its own merit, not bringing in Major League Baseball to Australia, but Australia on the world stage to grow the game. And I believe this is the classic moment for Australia. All right. I love it. This this is their hour. (laughs) How about you, Phil? You want to tell him why he's wrong? I think I think the pitching lines up. I think the uh, the adjustments at the plate have been made. I think that the the depth is there, and I think that after that uh, that sputter start, they realize the new lease on life that they have. And um, I, I like Cuba seven to four. So there, there's there's one number we agree on. Uh, yeah. Just going just going in the opposite direction, but um, you know I I. I, I I like their chances. I think they're focused, and I think after shaking off that jet lag and that rust, I think that they're they're ready to uh, to to do some damage and move on to uh, move on to Miami. And there's there's incentive to go to Miami as well. So, all right, Ethan, you want to you want to give us your your rapid fire prediction? Yeah, what real you fast. I'm sticking with my guys, Australia. I think they 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 earned their spot here. They they put a beat down on Korea, which nobody expected, and I think uh, I think Cuba. I think they lucked their way into it. So I'm going with Australia. I'm going to go. I like Dan's idea of one run game. I'm going to go four three. I think they're going to be Ooh. able to get off the board, but they got to limit the walks. That was the one big bummer. How about you, Tom? Um, so my, my brain tells me Cuba. Okay. And the reason I'm going with Australia is because every game where my brain thought I knew the absolute opposite has happened. I'm like, Oh, us over Mexico. That's an easy one. Korea over Australia, that's an easy one. <laughs> so on and so forth. So I I think Cuba has a stronger roster on paper, but that hasn't meant very much so far. Um, the Australians are hot. The Cubans, they're not as cold as they were. So, you know, it's not like it's a hot team going up against a team that just sort of like stumbled forward. So uh, I'm, I'm going to pick Australia just because I don't trust my brain. I'm going with, with my... Uh, I'm going with my contrarian pick here. I'm thinking like like six to three. I'm thinking that you're gonna get like a big three run homer late and uh that's gonna be it's gonna be it. All right, Phil, you're in enemy territory. We uh we gotta call it quits. <laughs> if we're wrong, you can come on, on and uh I don't yeah, know and flex. eyes on our face or something. See, I, I wanted okay, to be- back you. I I said it. I just well, I, I don't I- trust myself anymore. <laughs> I went the emotional route, which uh, as a Texas Tech Red Raider fan is not real good. So uh, maybe mm. Phil, you can feel pretty good about my emotional pick. But I know I, okay. I did go the emotional route over the conventional roster. But I just once in a blue moon, I think emotion does play and uh, does sometimes come through. That's where I went. So anyway, right. Phil, right. I, I, I it was great to meet you, mate. Likewise. And right, so, you. sorry, you, sorry, just one, one. So you do, uh, you do work with the American Association. Because we've got the Frontier League here in Ottawa. So, uh, and specifically, I think Sioux City picked up uh, is it Jacob Sanford. So he's, yeah, yeah, uh, he's yeah. from he's from my hometown originally, Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Then obviously, was a kid that had the issues with uh, with some sticky fingers in the, in the Yankees organization. <laughs> but uh, interesting to see him that he hasn't gotten back into affiliated, but I think he'll, uh, he, he did damage here last year. And, and I think the game plays. So I know he's trying to rebuild his, uh, his reputation to get back into, uh, into uh, affiliated, but. Yeah, it's a different, it's a, it's a unique route now that used to be uh, the independent re- league was sort of the pariah, but now uh, kids can get back or young players can get back to the affiliated ranks to independent ball it's it's become a, a a pathway it's an extra pathway that wasn't around 25 years ago you, you know it used to be you you hear independent ball people kind of go oh, that's independent ball 
but uh, right. now it's pathway. It's a great, it's a great, both leagues are great. Yeah, That's absolutely. True. Guys, this has been awesome. Just like both leagues. Thanks for coming on. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll have you both on again to, I don't know. One of you can tell us we were wrong. So well, right. and I, and, hey, I'll, I'll be smoking a, cel- a celebrity or a uh, <laughs> celebration cigar at 10 o'clock on, uh, on Wednesday Hell morning. Yeah. I think, so. <laughs> All right, deal. Hey, thanks again, guys. I really cool. appreciate it. I'll send you that. Right. Cheers, guys. guys. Thank you very much. Cheers, Phil, Dan, thank you guys both so much for coming on, for bearing with us because we're idiots and for sharing your time. It was awesome to get both the Australian and Cuban perspective, although both of those guys are from North America. So it's the North American Australian and the North American Cuban perspective. But it was right. a lot of fun to have them on and share their their expertise we should uh, try and get them on again to do a wrap-up after the game so that somebody yeah. can uh, you know get pied in the face because somebody's going to be wrong here um so yeah. interesting to see go follow uh dan vaughn at dan vaughn jr on twitter and go check out talking baseball australia that's great stuff obviously phil cuba dugout.com he's on twitter at cuba dugout so go follow both those guys and tom you can follow us you want to tell them where um let's see if i can remember it you can follow us on twitter the under new management Twitter account at the baseball pod two. And you can email us at the baseball pod at gmail.com. Send us your hate mail, your love mail nudes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take those. We will also <laughs> reciprocate. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? Yeah. We're going to do that. And then we're going to say, where is it? No, you know, you know what? We'll start with the nudes. If you hit us up and say nudes for nudes, we'll start. Yeah. Yeah. You want this it's to be only fair. Yeah. This is... I mean, come on. What kind of leader would ask someone to do what, what they're not willing to do? You this know? sounds like like one of those things in like a magazine in like the fifties where you would send away for like yeah. send away for your free, you know, decoder ring. <laughs> send send away. away for your free nudes of these two podcast hosts who have like 64 viewers <laughs> guys it, listen we meant it okay it, send us whatever kind of mail you want we have already gotten hate mail and frankly it was some of the most riveting stuff i've ever read in my life <laughs> we've gotten requests for things that had nothing really to do with our podcast We're, like tom, tom wait wait i have breaking news i just whoa, got whoa I, I just got a dm wait from- wait let me let me Hold on. Hold on. I want to play a game. Tell him. That doesn't apply. I just got it a DM from Phil. And I said to him, thanks for coming on. It was a blast. Here's Dan's handle if you want to connect with him. And Phil said back to me, it was good. Just let him know I'm funneling the scouting report straight to my people. I'm the secret weapon. I'm swinging this game. Whoa. And listen. A bit of intrigue at the end of this episode. Phil so- did mention that he's going to be smoking a celebratory cigar. Yeah. I would like to add that he is probably the only one who could legally smoke a celebratory cigar. So it sounds like Phil has a little bit of inside information here. Maybe we should uh, tell the baseball authorities about this. I don't want to rat him out. He, he's given us two great <laughs> podcasts. I, we got to protect our sources. That's a, good right? point. That's a good point. But anyway, Phil, Dan, thanks for coming on. Go follow them. Go follow us. Go follow our personal Twitters. I'm Ethan Pachersky. You're something, Lord of Shade. I'm at Lord of Shade 57. Yeah. It's so much like that. the under new management baseball podcast Twitter account in that I largely just trash things. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. If that, but- yeah, listen. Di- not that there's anything wrong with that. We're already, we're already going long. Let's wrap it up here. Everybody, thanks for listening. Here we are. And I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, crossover episode between two great guys. As always, 
and he will see you on the next one.